0: There, thanks for joining me. This is Catherine Van Wert, the host of Sales and Marketing for Coaches. It's my mission to help heart centered entrepreneurs like you love sales and marketing almost as much as you love coaching. Every week, I share actionable information that you can use to learn the skills and gain the confidence you need in order to create a profitable coaching business. Hello, how are you today? Today, We're going to talk about fixing the mind drama around sales calls. Before I start, I want to quickly thank you if you left a rating and or a review. I saw that I have four five-star reviews and I am thrilled. Thank you so much. After you listen to today's episode, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review, that would be wonderful. I would appreciate that so much. All right, so back to talking about the mind drama around sales calls. Getting a new client is fun, but the mind drama around sales, obviously not. You can't usually have clients without some form of selling. In order to get a better perspective on why mind drama around sales feels so strong, I wanna zoom out beyond the sales call itself first. The mind drama really starts with your perspective about sales in general. From there, it colors how you feel about sitting down to have a one-to-one conversation, but you are coming into the call with baggage if you have a story that doesn't serve you. The first thing I want to do is take a look at three phases in which we can experience mind drama about sales, and then I'm going to talk about the top three myths that I hear about what it means to sell on a consult. You may have a different specific thought, but you will be able to take these concepts I talk about today and use them to help fix the mind drama. So the first phase is when the consult is initially booked. So yay, you looked at your calendar or you got a notification from your scheduler that you have a sales consultation booked. And that feels amazing. It's working. You have a sales consultation scheduled and that's the good news. The very next thought after that might be something like, I hope this consult doesn't cancel. In order to try to prevent this from happening, your brain offers you questions that are designed to be useful. You're wondering, should I send an extra email before our session? And if I do, what should I say? I don't want to sound desperate. Um, How many reminders? What if something comes up the last minute? That's going to stink. I hope they at least reschedule. What if this person ghosts me? Maybe I should make a plan of what else I could be doing if it's a no-show because at least then I'll be productive. And that's a great idea, but then that's followed up with, oh my gosh, am I jinxing it right now with these negative vibes? Those thoughts are involuntary, but if you attach to them, I'm sure you can see how this can affect the consultation before it even begins. So that's phase one. Phase two is the time in between the booking and the date of the consult. After you've decided that you're going to move forward in the belief that this consultation will stick, you start thinking about how to prepare. You really wanna do well and you'd love to get a new client. You're looking for that 1% level up. So time for the prep. But maybe you're not sure on where to start in order to prepare. Script, no script, Questions prepared ahead of time, organic conversation. So, here's my take on scripts. There is value in having a script. The value ends when you feel over scripted and feel non human in your communication. You don't want to sound scripted, but you don't want to get caught with not knowing what to say next. One of our greatest fears is not knowing what to say next and experiencing that awkward silence. Imagine, you say something like, I think you'd be a great fit for my program, and they don't have much of a response. Where do you go from there? In order to prepare for this consult, you are trying to remember how to recreate the last good one or how to avoid whatever you did on the ones that didn't convert. It might feel confusing or unclear. That is not helpful at all, and it might increase your anxiety if that's the case. If you have pre-consult paperwork, you've read it over. You think about what he or she has filled out, and honestly, you aren't sure that it's super helpful. In fact, you might feel that what you know puts you in a bad headspace, like now you have a bias about the prospective client, what he or she is looking for, whether or not they can afford you, and it's messing with your head. Some of the other concerns I've heard when it comes to the sales process is that even the thought of having to overcome objections can make you feel uncomfortable, and that makes sense, because most coaches are concerned about sounding aggressive or pushy, and that's what we think of when we think of overcoming objections, like it's a tug of war or requires some level of confrontation. And if you're one of my go-getters, an additional part of the mind drama when it comes to the sales conversation is that you are just not sure exactly what you need to do in order to convert at a higher rate, and you have thoughts about that before you get on the call, and that makes you feel a sense of impatience. I believe that the emotions we experience continue to reside in our subconscious mind and in our bodies long after we had the thoughts that triggered them if you don't do the work to metabolize the effects of those emotions. So you may get on the call and have a tightened feeling in your stomach or feel like you are in your head because of this. You might even get physically flushed or unnerved. When there's a high enough level of this kind of mind drama, the thing I most often see is that coaches will change the focus of the call. They decide that on this call, they're just going to have a conversation See if they can offer value and go from there. It feels like a lot less pressure and given how stressed out they feel, it's a welcomed shift. This comes at a cost though, because then they further doubt their ability to sell and use this as more evidence. And phase three is the consult itself. So now take all the previously discussed thoughts and emotions and move them forward into the consult call. At this point, you've probably decided that the most important thing is just to do what feels right and lean on your intuition. Forget following the script exactly. You are going to come into this open to the possibilities. You've decided you are just going to have a conversation and do some coaching. And the thought is that if they see how good you are at coaching and they are able to get some results on the call... Then they will naturally want to work with you. It would be awesome if he or she then asks about your coaching package and wants to sign up. Hopefully, they will see the value, but if they don't, then maybe it's not meant to be. This would at least provide an opportunity to get to know you, and really, you don't want to act weird. You feel really good about the beginning. You've got your general questions, and you're getting to know them, and the ease and flow is really nice. It all feels good until you have the thought that you need to make an offer. You feel a clear line of separation between talking about the pain points that they are having to how you can help. Now it feels like you need to go into a sales pitch, and maybe you've sprinkled the conversation with phrases like, my clients, my program, or you might've started the conversation by getting permission to tell them about your program at the end but it doesn't seem to make it any easier. You are still feeling hesitation with when and how to do this and feel natural about it. Is there even anything natural about helping someone in exchange for money? Maybe not at this point. So now let's talk about why it's so hard to deal with all the thoughts that you have when it comes to sales. It's because there is a lot of truth for you in those thoughts. No. You don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. You don't want to feel like you have to be pushy or rude or act like their objections don't matter. It's not kind and it's not how you would want to be treated. It's just not even worth the money at that point. And that's why I have coaches who say to me, you know, I really would just coach for free and that messes with my head because I just want to help. Now, because of these competing thoughts, your mind creates a cognitive dissonance, which is what makes it hard for you to sell before you ever even get to the call. That needs to be settled for you so that you can show up to the call clean and ready to help clients without a scarcity mindset or a manipulative agenda. Can you see how each phase plays into the next? My goal with covering these three phases is to bring your attention to the compound effect. Now that you can see it more clearly, you know that cleaning up each phase will serve you well. I trust that you can do some self-coaching on that. Write out for yourself what this process looks like for you, from the booking to the call. Write how you want to feel intentionally, and of course, the thoughts that you would need to have in order to feel those higher vibe emotions. I've created a worksheet for you if you want to download it and use it to prompt this self-coaching exercise. Just check my show notes and click on the link to get it. I want to say that if you're worried about being salesy or slimy, there's probably a very low risk that you will actually act that way. You're too conscientious of it, and if anything, you're more likely to sabotage the sale instead. We don't want to cause others to feel a negative emotion about us, so we avoid being pushy or convincing. And here's the irony. If we don't get the sale, then we make it mean that we weren't convincing enough. That sounds like a self-inflicted, no-win situation. It will not serve you, so make sure that you treat yourself better than that. As long as you feel like you're doing something that is out of alignment, whether it is or not, actually, will remain irrelevant. Address what is going on inside yourself first. Get clarity for yourself before the call and this will serve you and your potential client so well. Now that we've looked at the three phases where sales mind drama exists, let's take a look at the top three myths about selling on a call. Even if I don't cover a concern that you might have, you will be able to take the information and apply it to your situation. Myth number one is people don't wanna buy from me slash no one wants to pay what I'm asking. And the bad news is people for sure don't want to buy or they won't want to pay what you're asking. In fact, that might be a large percentage of the general population. But the good news is that people for sure do want to buy and they will pay what you're asking. Of the two groups, it's pretty obvious who you should be thinking of when you want to sell. One of the biggest problems we have as coaches occurs when we think of everyone that doesn't want coaching. That doesn't create opportunities or options. Believing people don't want to buy destroys your mindset and you will not feel motivated or encouraged to find the people who are ready to buy what you're offering when you're on the call. That underlying belief creates a constant low-level simmer of doubt that steals your energy and deflates your enthusiasm. When you think about your ideal client, you want to think of someone who values coaching, wants to buy, and is looking for you. This should start with your marketing and messaging and continue all the way up to the call. There is no benefit in focusing on the person that isn't ready to buy, does not understand the value of coaching, and is not looking for you. It will be helpful to assume that the person coming to the call values you at least enough to come to the call and spend time with you. Imagine how brave that is for a stranger to get on a call with another stranger to talk about something that they are not happy with about in their lives. This is a vulnerable position to be in. And yet, there was something about you that drove them to book the call and keep the appointment. They value the call enough to want to learn more about coaching or how to feel better. Even if they are there for free coaching, it doesn't take away from the fact that they came to you. Your job is to see what phase they are in on their journey. You're establishing a long-term relationship with them, and you want to be in it for the long game. Now, please don't misinterpret this to mean that you should be apathetic about selling. That is not the case at all. What this means is that you're going to be so in tune with them that you earn the right to become part of their journey and serve as a catalyst for them to work toward the change that they want. If you're a coach that says, I just want people who are ready to do the work, and you think that sales calls are a waste of time unless they are a yes, you are likely leaving money on the table. People are in various stages of readiness when they book a call, and although some people will never be a yes because they are spending their lives thinking about change instead of creating change, most of us are on a forward-moving journey, and robust follow-ups create so much opportunity to gain clients. I'll talk about this more in myth number three, but focusing a conversion to a single call is a disservice to the whole process. The life cycle of the client relationship can be considered on active status until they are closed as lost or won. Otherwise, they are continued, which means that you can continue to make offers to them until they are lost or won. Okay, but back to the idea that people won't buy from you or pay what you're asking. I see people buy coaching every day whether it's within my own coaching community or in the larger communities that I'm a part of. So you have the call and they aren't buying, but understand the sales call is one part of the overall sales cycle. And here's the danger. If you make it mean that you aren't showing value or that you don't know how to create urgency when you have done everything possible to help the client see it, you will not gain any benefit creating this limiting belief. Evaluate your call and see if you've done everything that you can to create value and urgency. Okay, so I'm throwing around the phrase, create value, create urgency, and you might be wondering, how is that even created? So in short, urgency isn't really about how many spots you have left, so much as it is how long the prospective client is willing to continue suffering in their current situation and helping them to have clarity on that. And value isn't so much about how much you say your products are worth when you stack the sale, but about how deeply the client believes that your services can truly create a change in their lives and the level of belief they have that it is possible for them. When you believe that people don't want to buy, you might really mean that you don't Want to have to convince them to do something that's against their will. And to this, I say, don't worry, you can't. People will not do something against their own will in the end. The feeling you are trying to avoid is feeling like you have to beg for a sale or move a mountain to convince someone that they should invest in themselves. You have a choice in the matter, and you don't have to do that. Just decide not to make offers with that energy. And now we're at myth two. Myth number two is that you don't know how to do it right. Not knowing how to do something right is a broad sweeping generalization, which means that it does not lend itself to any specific way to improve. What does it mean to do it right? Let's explore a few possible ways to fill in the blank. If I did it right, then I wouldn't feel awkward on the call. If I did it right, I would feel more confident when I say my price. If I did it right, then they would buy my coaching package. And finally, if I did it right, I would know exactly what to say and never be at a loss for words. Your idea of doing it right may not equal your expectations of how you would feel or what the results would be. I mean, have you ever felt like you did everything right and things still didn't turn out the way that you wanted? The sales conversation itself can neither be wrong nor right. This concept is vague and subjective. The worst part is that you can't improve on doing something right because doing it right is a judgment. Improving on an idea or a judgment is probably like trying to achieve a goal with a moving goalpost because it's not clear or defined. What you want to do is drop the judgment first, then break down what you mean when you have the thought that you don't know how to do it right. What specifically are you doubting? Analyze the actions involved and create a plan around that. For example, you might look at how you run out of time to make the offer at the end of the sales call and then feel rushed. Rethink how you want to structure your calls. Think about how much time you wanna have, how to leave enough time, evaluate what happened on the last call when there wasn't enough time, and then create a workaround. And go deeper too. Ask yourself if there was a reason on your end that you let the time run out. Was it that the offer was something that you dreaded making? Was it because you let the client take over the call? Then you have to look at your thoughts about the offer or the client. If you feel awkward, then you have to question why is it that you felt awkward? And if you feel awkward, do you think that the person talking to you might feel that way as well? We want to avoid awkward situations. Is the thought, I have to sell coaching? Then drop that thought. That's a thought error. You don't have to sell coaching, but you get to sell coaching when you think it's a good fit. And when you think it's a good fit, then you'll feel way more aligned, excited, and positive about that conversation. Do you think that if you did it right, you would feel more confident? Maybe, maybe not. Sometimes things can feel hard and that doesn't mean that we aren't doing it right. It means that we are new at doing something and it still feels unfamiliar. How in the world can something feel natural and normal if it's a new experience for you? Even if you've done it a few dozen times, you may still feel like you're not as confident as you want to feel and that's okay. Give yourself time and see if there's any underlying thoughts that you need to address. Do what you can, and then give yourself some grace. It's so unfair to demand that your brain and body just sit in complete confidence doing something outside of your comfort zone. And that demand is also what creates undue pressure on you to act a certain way, and then turn around and be hypercritical at that gap between your ideal experience and your actual experience. If you did it right, they would buy your coaching package. Let's look at that one. I mean, sure, there are sales tools and tactics that you can use, but ultimately it is up to the client. Sales is a skill. Yes. And guess what? That's not a problem. You can continue to learn and grow, and as you gain the skills and confidence, you will increase your reach. You are where you are at right now, and that is perfect. It creates the perfect clients for you. You will sell to the level that you are ready to coach. Selling and coaching are so closely aligned, and when you get good at sales, you will find that you are going to get good at coaching too. Coaching, in essence, is helping people sell themselves on their own possibility and desired future. You're selling them on themselves, but they still have the choice to take action on it. And it's the same for the sales conversation. What sales comes down to is the ability to listen deeply and well without an agenda to cloud your ability to tune in. When you think of doing it right, Think about the skills of sales, listening, reflecting, and expanding their mind to new possibilities. It's about connection and gaining trust. And you can put all that out there, but still not get a sale because it depends on the client's state of mind as well. And that is okay. You're not doing it wrong if you're achieving this. Now, remember, If you create a relationship-based sales with potential clients, you are trying to cultivate a relationship that is not one and done. So if someone says no to your coaching package, it is not a no forever, but it is a no for now, and that's okay. There needs to be an alignment that works for their timing and desire and your coaching and availability. You might have the thought that someone was so perfect and so ideal for you, You have no doubt that you could help them out and you understand their situation, but it takes two to agree. Until then, you can nurture and continue to be that coach that provides value. All right, myth number three, you need to close the sale. Okay, are you going into the call thinking, I need to close this sale? When you're about to get on a call, there's a chance that you will close the sale, but there's a chance that you won't. Even though you're aware of this, you are likely going into the call thinking that you need to reach your client or income goal, and that in and of itself is not a bad thing, but... When you attach it to a specific person, it can cast a shadow on the quality of the call and definitely on the quality of the thoughts that you have about your business or yourself if you don't convert the call. And especially as a coach, you are creating relationships both with buyers and non-buyers. In a relationship, there is space for other people's processes. We all have a process in place for how we buy, and if people try to push us out of it, we know how angry or offended we feel. We wonder with suspicion, why are they disrespecting how we want to conduct our business? And now that you're selling a service, you don't want to create a situation that will damage the client-coach relationship. Now, in the coaching world, we have the understanding that we cannot create an emotion in others because it's our thoughts that create our emotions. I wanna make the distinction that while our thoughts do create our emotions, it would be misguided to think that we can escape from making an impact on others. If this were not true, you would not be afraid of being perceived as pushy. If this were not true, commercials that make us laugh Cry or feel happy would not be successful in selling products. We can inspire, but not control, thoughts and emotions in others. The thoughts and emotions we inspire might be different than the ones that we intended, but it is largely predictable what will land and what will not. As with anything, you want to find that happy medium. That means you go into the call with the full intention to serve before you sell and guide the conversation sales process so that it can happen naturally. And what do I mean by naturally? That means asking the effective questions, picking up on nuances and subtleties, expanding with thoughtful follow-up questions, mirroring the client's exact words so that nothing gets lost in translation. From a scientific and a neural perspective, this also creates connection. This is vital. You can't do that if you're in your head, which is why you must start the call with a clean slate and no agenda other than to deeply listen and understand the client's pain points. Developing your own personal method is critical in the sales process. If you're told to say things that you would never say in real life on a sales call, It can feel like it's confrontational or too aggressive. This is not going to play out in your favor. And even if you try it, you will find it is hard to stay engaged when you feel like your insides are on fire because you are so uncomfortable. Listen to your body. It knows the difference between adrenaline and panic. When you come to the call and you think you have to close it, you are creating pressure on yourself and indirectly the client. If you don't close it, then you are creating more of a perceived gap of your sales skills. The goal of being good at sales just gets farther and further away. There's a balance in your energy of coming to the call. So a new thought that I would like to offer you is that instead of thinking, I need to close the sale, you want to think, is the client ready to buy? I love sales, but I do not love selling to someone who doesn't want what I have to offer. That is an uphill battle. You want to prime the sale. That's why you need to listen carefully, so carefully to what the prospective client is saying on the call and go deeper than that superficial level. That's what facilitates you being all in with speaking about the transformation your potential client could have. When you help them to see the transformation, you're selling them on the who, which is themselves, and the what, which is the result. When they want that and ask about the how, that is when you have permission to ask the questions that will guide and compel them to ask what it would be like to work with you. And you don't have to do it before then. Because if they don't see their potential transformation you're going to end up selling them on you and not them. And honestly, that's when it starts to feel really misaligned because it makes the sales personal. And if they say no, you will feel like they rejected you and not your offer. But let's play this out. Worst case scenario, let's say they don't want to work with you because there's something about you that doesn't jive with them. Why is that a bad thing? It's still not personal to you It's not a rejection of you. It's simply based on the client's preference. The harm comes from making any of this mean something about how you're inadequate or defective in some way. That's a maladaptive thought, my friend. The next thing I want to share with you is just because you are ready to sell doesn't mean that the lead is ready to buy. And the lead is the prospective client, okay? You won't be able to tell the difference of fear to purchase versus a true no if you put your own process ahead of the prospective client's process of decision-making. The idea that you need to close the sale contaminates that sacred space you should be holding for your lead, so don't allow desperation to be the fuel for the sale. You're a premium coach, and because you sell high-end services, you have the advantage of creating relationship-based sales. Being desperate is not necessary, and it does not do your business model any justice because when you sell, it should not be transactional. It's not one and done. It's not a burger. And yet, some people try to sell coaching services like it's a burger. Just, hey, you want this? It's really good. You'll love it there's only one left. Different products call for different sales approaches. Low cost, short investments versus premium, long-term investments are two different entities with two different sales processes. Whew, all right. So finally, let's say that you go for it and you get a yes. Just because you can get to a yes doesn't mean that this client is an ideal fit. This is often the reason that you will have someone that says yes on the call and then fail to pay or complete all the necessary next steps to start coaching. This is also why we invariably end up with a client that we really can't serve well because there are differences in expectations and outcomes. When you go into a sales call, make sure that your primary goal is to listen deeply, ask guiding questions, and offer only when what they want is what you have. All right, friends. I hope this helps with the mind drama that you might experience about sales calls. This is just the beginning. When you shift your beliefs, you open up new opportunities for your brain to explore what else you could be doing to close more sales. You also will evaluate your actions on the sales call more accurately when you do it without bias or harsh judgment. If you want some help on how to improve your sales call, apply for a free one-on-one sales training with me. I have a limited amount of calls I do per month for my audience. And let me tell you, they are robust and you will walk away with so much more insight and clarity. The link is in my show notes. And don't forget that I am providing the self-coaching exercise worksheet so that you can work through your mind drama and show up for your calls with a clean and clear mindset. That's available for you in the show notes as well. All right, one last thing. If you got value from this podcast, would you please rate, review, and share real quick? I would really appreciate it. All right, that's all for today. Thank you so much. I will see you next week. Thanks again for joining me. I appreciate you tuning in today. And if you got value from this episode, I would love it if you would leave a five-star review. Did you know that I am still offering my one-on-one personalized sales training? That's right. If you've been wondering what you need to do to improve your current consultation calls, but just can't figure it out, I can help you. If you want me to review your current sales process and give you immediate feedback, all you have to do is apply for a spot at www.katherinevanwart.com. See you next time.